everybody, welcome to the Superposition Podcast. I'm Christopher Benick, and I'm here with Duncan Platt. How are you doing, Duncan? I'm doing well, thank you, Christopher. How are you? How's good. How's your week been? It has been really good. It's been um, it's been a, a, a great week. The weather has been nice outside, and um, it's been wonderful to 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 get out uh, while still avoiding people, but being able to walk around and actually feel like you're not dying from the heat or freezing from the cold. Yeah, yeah, it's actually it's been pretty pleasant pretty pleasant at night at least here and so that's that's a nice nice change. So when you say you're avoiding people, that's not that's because of quarantine, right? Not because of just general oh. practice. Is that it or or is that introvert uh general practice? <laughs> I'm to do some soul searching with that question. Yeah. Yeah, good. 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 <laughs> maybe oh, a com- maybe funny. a combination of both. Uh, <laughs> not, not not hating, not hating it completely, but yeah. you know, counting your blessings. That's that's <laughs> that's really good. It's always a silver lining, they say. There's there's always a silver lining. Are you do you are you like are you do you watch TV? Are you like an avid consumer of what do you consume? Are you like as far as media goes, what do you consume the most? Yeah, I love love watching television. Um, I need to I need to just make more time to watch new original television instead of rewatching The Office. When you say television, you mean like Netflix, or you don't mean actual television, right? Or are you watching actual television? Um, you're, you're right, streaming. Streaming. Okay, good. Well, there's some people who still have cable, so yeah. I'm, I'm not. You know, if that's where you are. Uh, that's that's okay. Yeah, we that's we fine. have a cable subscription. I don't know if we. I think my wife watches the Pioneer Woman, uh, but uh, aside from that, I have you know. If you're not going to watch you. like if you're not going to watch a cooking show or, um, you know, or you know, buying a house or renovating a house, you know, or live sports, uh, I don't know why you'd watch that. And now you can watch live sports on streaming, most of the time. So yeah, you know. Not, not, not like there is any live sports right now, but yeah, yeah. Well, there's the Michael Jordan documentary. I heard that's doing pretty well. It's doing all right. So, uh, and outside of that, I mean, you would think there would be, uh, you'd think there'd be more like amateur sports competitions. I know they've done some video game where professional athlete athletes have played video games against each other. Uh, so you'd think there'd be more of that, particularly given the streaming platforms. You know, you get LeBron James playing, uh, you know, Kevin Durant and one-on-one on, you know, whatever the the newest, you know, or their favorite basketball game is, which I'm sure there is one. Uh, I have not, I don't think I've played a serious basketball game. I can't remember how long it's been. Uh, video, <laughs> video game. Like I, you know, the only one that comes to mind is like double dribble, which was old school Nintendo. Like that, wow. that, that's like, that's, it's been that long. I'm sure I've played other ones in between that, but I, I don't remember their names. They weren't good enough yeah. to stay in my yeah. memory bank. It's, it's not that memorable. Yeah. <laughs> double dribble was an excellent game though. Once you had it down, it was like yeah. because there were certain places you could be on the floor and you'd pretty much score every time. And so it became like it really became this skill challenge. Uh, it's like the three point challenge, right, where you, you got to hit your mark on the floor. And you, if you miss a shot, you're done. You know what I mean? So you'd have to whatever the duration of a game was, you'd have to like pretty much hit all your shots to make sure you didn't lose. Uh, so it, I mean, 
you know, there's some old school Nintendo folks who know exactly what I'm talking about. Everyone else thinks I'm crazy. So, <laughs> so last week we were talking about space trash, right? Like we were talking yeah. about, like we left, you left us on this cliffhanger that we're going to be trapped on our planet for forever. So yeah. you have to tell us more about that because I, I, I'm, I've haven't slept well all week. I've been looking into the sky to see if McDonald's wrappers are going to just fall out of the sky on me. What are you talking about when you're talking about space trash? And I, and explain more about that. I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm sorry I ruined that for you. I, it's okay. I it's it's just you... more counseling. That's all. That's no big deal. <laughs> I get a commission. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's funny that you talk about that. I remember the first time I I was made aware of this this concept. Um, it was this weird feeling of dread and despair. Not that I ever really considered leaving the planet, but now that I realized I might not be able to, it, it really upset me, um, which, is, which is a funny thing to consider in and of itself. But the long story short is over the last 30, 40 years, even more, as we as a, a human civilization has moved beyond Earth, be that with general space exploration, satellites, going to the moon, sending items up to the International Space Station. Every time we, we anticipate, well, not anticipated, but every time we, we took up um, a challenge to take something to space, every time we endeavored into space, we left a little bit of garbage up there in the process. And so some of the good examples would be when we, when we think about going to the moon or going to the International Space Station or sending up satellites, you have these rockets that send it up. Uh, and the rockets have boosters that, that contain fuel and, and uh, shoot this thing up into space. And what happens is we we shoot these rockets into space and we, we complete the mission and it's all good and well, but as the rocket goes up, different parts of it break off. And some of that falls back to Earth, but not all of it does. And so we end up in space having all of these boosters and parts of rockets and, and parts of ships just floating around. Uh, and ultimately, as these items float around, they start colliding with each other. And those collisions end up creating smaller pieces of, of junk that move at about 30,000 kilometers an hour. I don't know what that is in miles. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I, don't, I don't think most people in the United States know what that is in miles either. Okay. <laughs> so you're that's, okay. That's right. It's fast. Very fast. <laughs> Very fast. <laughs> yeah. Like it would go through your ship potentially. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, the video that summarizes this um, by Kurtz Gazak. Um, Kurtz Gazogd, I'm sorry. Uh, let me just get the, the name of the video as we speak. But, but they talk about how it, it basically, it's like a, a bullet that goes through something um, fired at the, the speed of a plasma gun and it vaporizes a lot of things around it. And so when they talk about two people, satellites... most people know how fast a plasma gun is, right? <laughs> I mean, that's... But, but like if you watch any sci-fi, right, like something <laughs> comes through the hall, this is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. It, you know, it makes a pew sound. Yeah. And, like uh, in the, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen the expanse in the expanse? 
they have one of these in kind of the early episodes where they get some shrapnel for something and they actually have like the you know they 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 run they're running out of oxygen and they've got to seal the they got to seal the room that they're in it's one of those things where you know they you know there's a whole bunch of drama around it right right i'm sure it's just like that but anyhow yeah right that's a concept yeah. though, right pretty accurate is you know you have a, a solid piece of something and then all of a sudden it's not so solid anymore um and the, and part of the problem that that is outlined in this uh, in this video is that you would have say two satellites moving in space and they generally crisscross each other and miss each other but if they do collide you know they're colliding at each other as as cars would in going in opposite directions and so you don't just go at 30,000 kilometers an hour it's it's now exponentially far, yeah exponentially you know? worse and so the issue is as they also discuss in in this in this uh, video segment is you know it's not, these two things don't crash and then they fall back to earth is they become a cloud of shrapnel that could have a um, a cascading effect on other satellites in space so it really is a a concerning situation so um, so let me let me just to understand this to, let me just to understand this situation so so realistically if you send a satellite up do you have do people know where any of this existing trash is at this point like do they have to essentially engineer a flight plan that misses you know misses existing space clouds of space trash because i'd imagine this is a huge problem right you send up a you know, a billion dollar satellite and all of a sudden within, you know, 24 hours, it gets hit by space trash and, you know, is even more space trash. Uh, I would, I would imagine people are probably investing and in trying to figure out what, what's going where right now. Right. Yeah. So it is a, it is a really challenging and concerning um, proposition just thinking about that, but they do track that fortunately. Um, so I'm actually trying to just pull up a, a number here. There we go. So they say that there is um, about 2,600 large objects in space right now that that can be tracked. That circle the um, Earth. That circle the Earth. And those are, are large pieces of garbage. Then there's 10,000 items um, that are, I think, larger than a monitor. Um, so still big. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get hit by anything going super fast that's as big as a monitor. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, not that I want to get hit by anything that's bullet size uh, going super fast either, but still, a monitor worse, uh, worse Absolutely. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so there's that much stuff already, right? Well, there's, there's that more much... than that. So, I mean, then there's you know, so ten thousand items the size slightly larger than a monitor. 20,000 items larger than a marble, um, which uh, it would equally, you know, yeah, suck. it would be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have about half a million items that are so small that we can't track them, um, that, are, that are just all around. And they're yeah, small, I mean, small, small fragments, but again, at that speed, they can do damage. Right. So, so like, look, if, if, um, if a rocket is going through our atmosphere, I'm assuming the goal to get like a space shuttle is to get it outside, outside the, 
the orbital range of most of this junk, right? And I'm assuming there's probably, is there just general space stuff that's floating around, like meteor parts or something that also is floating around that doesn't have anything to do with us? There is, from from what I could gather um, in my reading, unfortunately, a large portion of that is because of us. Um, okay, all right. So it's it's mostly us. We're mostly the problem. We are the problem. And what what would be any potential solution to clean this space trash up? Is it like going to the beach? I just got to get one of those, you know, trash pickers uh, and uh, and a team of people, and we go pick some stuff up, or like what? I mean, how do you catch something going? However many kilometers an hour you said thirty thousand or whatever it was, some crazy number. How do how do you catch that? We got to get a really good space baseball mitt. Like, what's the what's the option? So interestingly, there's there's a couple of um, solutions, and a couple of them are are pretty whack, and some of them are a little uh, more sane. Um, right now, it sounds like the 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 best option is to to create some sort of a, a drone in space with um, a big net and shooting the net around stuff, catching as much as we can and then routing it back to earth dropping it back into into the the atmosphere but i mean there are there are some theories and, and strategies using lasers uh, which yeah yeah shoot some course, stuff out of the sky that'd be fun if you can't do space without lasers that, that could be like a new national pastime <laughs> absolutely <laughs> america, america we, we yeah yeah we want we want our gun rights and our laser space laser rights absolutely that is the we should have the right to shoot space trash yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well yes. like like man this sounds crazy having a drone flying around like so i'm assuming it's got to come it's got to be going in the same direction right it, it's obviously got to be going with the material it probably has to get to a similar speed right to be able to capture the stuff so i mean there's like real timing this is not like hey just throw it up there and get grab it because it'd go right through the drone so you'd have to actually get a some kind of reasonable speed and then you have to throw something around it at the same speed i mean this becomes a like a real physics equation right to figure yeah. out how you're gonna you know uh it's a pretty advanced thing and then how how the heck is it dropping it to the earth because it's going that fast like you would think if you put any weight on it it would whatever you're catching it in would it would rip out or so there's got to be some, i mean i mean this is a, a crazy proposition right like yeah so the, the challenge I my think baseball is, idea is not looking so bad right now like <laughs> yeah just really thick leather yeah um, yeah so the the idea behind it is you you launch it into into low earth orbit where a lot of this this junk or this garbage or this this um super fast shrapnel is is residing but what's interesting about the <clears throat> the situation is that when you're up there and you're moving at 30,000 kilometers an hour it's, it's a very relative situation so if you shoot uh, a, dr a, a drone or a robot or something up and it's in low earth orbit for all practical intents and purposes, once it's in that position, it's it's stationary. Okay. So it doesn't right. it doesn't actually move, even though it's moving. Um, 
So it doesn't have to exert any any energy really to move at that speed around the Earth. Right. Right. Okay. So you'd have to use a booster to move forward or backward, so to to increase speed or slow speed. So relatively speaking, this this field of garbage would just be floating around next to it, and it could grab that, and then using a booster go back to Earth, and it would just burn up. Okay. Um, but part of the challenge is is just the vastness of of the trash the area around the, the trash yeah. and the area around the earth so i mean we can start doing that with a couple of drones now but it would take i mean we think cleaning the ocean's a problem yeah exactly now we're talking about space yeah <laughs> so you have you know the same sort of depth but upwards um and actually so much more and it covers the entire circumference of the so air. the good news is if you're in waste management you have a future there's I mean, a future, there, there, there's there's no no problem with that yeah i mean like you would think too like when this stuff comes in the atmosphere it'd be interesting to know when stuff burns up how much that actually how much of that the burn up stays in the atmosphere you know what i mean like like how much like if you drop a bunch of stuff and it burns up, do you pollute the atmosphere a lot that way? Um, you know, and then at some point, does it make sense? Like, is there a way to like actually shoot garbage into space to drop it, to burn it up? Uh, if not, right. Like, because it would almost be like burning your trash uh, at that point. So, so all of this is last week we talked about Elon Musk wants to put some audacious number of, of satellites into space, which would be like, it sounds like based on what he wants to do, it's like the large pieces of junk that we have already up there. He wants to at least compete with that amount of stuff by the amount the, by the amount of satellites he wants to put into the air, right? And yeah. and I was thinking about this this week. It seems like you know, there's a limited amount of space, right? So being first uh because there's there's a certain uh, altitude that you can put these things at that you're at the lowest altitude that they can stay up there by themselves uh, and continue to be up there. So being first would really matter because if you're, if you're not first, if you're 10th um, it, it can be pretty difficult because you might not get the best space position. Right. And what determines what position close to the earth, like you could, you could always have the best network hypothetically based on the tech because you're closest uh, so, so he's really solidifying kind of his, his power in the game at that point. But if, if we don't clean up any of the space garbage, then the potential is we get trapped here. Like, I mean, yeah. have an army of drones or you can't even put a drone up because, because yeah. then the drone gets taken out. I mean, this gets really like complicated quickly, right? They say the issue with this is at this point we lose as a collective humanity, we lose between one and four satellites a year because of this already. And the issue is that there is this risk for a, uh, a massive cascade effect where you have just two satellites crashing and it causes shrapnel. And it might not happen immediately. It might take a year or two, but that shrapnel then somehow hits another two satellites. And so, you know, you might have two satellites lost in one so year. It's a snowball effect in the next space. Year, 20 and then 200. And then the next year you lose all of them. Because of it. Right. 
And so the fear is that if we don't address this anytime soon, and ironically, this video was made in 2018, but if we don't address this soon, we could potentially be locking ourselves into this planet, creating a prison planet, if you will, because it would make it infeasible to leave the planet to clean it up. As you say, you can't send a drone on a rocket if it's going to be destroyed the moment it leaves, you know, the stratosphere. Um, it's, it's, it presents a really unique and interesting challenge. And I think furthermore, what's even more concerning is they expect us to, some estimates expect us to, to get to that point within the next 10 years. So by 20, 28, it might be too late. And other estimates say it's too late already. So, so well, that, that can't be true that it's too late already, right? Because we could send up drones right now. We can. Um, so where's Leonardo can. DiCaprio? Why is he not talking about this? He talks about all these other like earth issues. What, what's he, this is off his planet. So he's not worried this about it. <laughs> It's <laughs> not an Earth issue, my friend. Yeah, that, that's what it is. It's not an environmental issue. It is. It's a space issue. So, yeah. so this is a kind of an interesting thing, right? Because if we think about ourselves as being caretakers of creation, right? If that's kind of one of our or our main divine purpose, right? Um, like then, then you know, I think part of this is we we don't even take care of what we currently have. Uh, you know, like I, I walk around Miami and I see people throwing out their, their rubber gloves on the street. They can't even throw them in the garbage for crying out loud. Right. Which is not wow. like, this is not a huge level of effort. Um, and yeah. that's like in my neighborhood, which is not like, uh, and this is not like, you know, and I live, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to live in a pretty nice neighborhood and people are still doing it. Right. So it's just, they're throwing stuff wow. on the floor, which, uh, might be, might be a cultural thing. Uh, it might be a privileged thing. It might be a who knows what thing. Uh, it could be any number of uh, scenarios. But we can't even do that with our own neighborhood. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes we can't do it with our own homes. Uh, we certainly don't do it with the earth because we have huge issues. Like you in Biscayne Bay here, I mean, at least a couple times a year, you get warnings not to swim in the bay. And that's because you know, of how the, I believe the sewage system is set up here. So you do not want to go and get a bacterial infection infection. So you can just kind of put those two things in that pleasant mental image together uh, for yourself. So we can't take care of any of that, right? There's garbage all over the place. Our ocean is full of garbage, which people are, there's actually six, seven that I know of, probably quite a bit more uh, organizations that are actually trying to create drones or systems to actually help clean the gar garbage out of the out of the ocean. Um, and we are seeing and, and it's not like it's not like the people are claiming. Uh, I mean, some people post it's it's like when you see the the pictures when there's, you know, flooding of the Ohio river. And then you see that whale meme online, you know, that there's whales in the streets or whatever. Like it, it's, it, people always make it, you know, I saw somebody post a picture of two manatees off the coast of Florida and, and said, look, now that no, everybody's quarantined, the manatees are coming back. There's the manatees never went anywhere. They're here all the time. I, I can walk down to the canal and see them. So, so it's not to the point where, you know, people are, and they're ridiculous about it sometimes, but, but I will say like, it is the case that, you know, 
the environment is being cleaned up because we're not using it in the same way we are. Like, so the air is nicer in some places. We do know that, you know, there are, there are animals obviously are coming back and engage more because we're not there. Um, and it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to think that if something happened to humanity and we were all kind of wiped off the face of the earth, uh, that kind of the natural order of things would, would, you know, pick back up pretty quickly. Uh, and, and you would have trees all over and stuff growing on our skyscrapers and, you know, not, not too hard to think about that. But, but I, I do think that we're in a situation where we are not, um, we are not even taking care of what we need to take care of. And then it seems like everywhere we're trying to go, we're continuing to litter like, right. It's like space trash, space litter. And, and part of it makes me wonder if like, we should keep going. Like maybe we need to focus, you know, and, and there's probably arguments on both sides of this, but, but to what extent do we have an ethical responsibility to actually be able to like take care of our own stuff before we go, you know, go into it. And there's a lot of lines of political thought on this, but, you know, I, I do think that there's value in articulating personal responsibility to some degree. And if we can't take care of our own situation, sometimes that's behavior that has to be learned, right? Uh, and almost all the time it's learned. But if we, we can't find ways to educate people to help them to learn to do that, then should we allow people to go out and put up 40,000 satellites or whatever it is without having some regulation of it. And who at that point regulates that? Because space right now is the wild west, right? Yeah. Much like the, much like the ocean and international waters or, or South Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, um, so I mean, so like, so then, and this week, Elon Musk has has kind of shown like his quirky, you know, aside from, you know, the things that we've seen already, we know are quirky, like his dancing. We, we have seen kind of other quirks in his his behavior and kind of his social life. And right. So so Elon Musk has some kids and they just had another baby. Right. Is yeah. that, that that's right. And what did they name the baby? Do you know off the top of your head? I think it's human. Um, so. <laughs> So from from what I understand, you think you're not sure though. At this point, man, I, I honestly, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know what to expect. I'm not sure if I would be. Surprised. Yeah, that's right. But if if one day it takes its arm off and there's a flamethrower there, you'll know it wasn't right. Like, <laughs> but but would I be surprised? Not really. Not really. Yeah. So the uh, from what I understand, do you know what the pronunciation is? I have no idea. I, I, it, it looks, is it a math equation? Uh, there's probably some, I'm sure it means something because he names, uh, you know, his, his Tesla's sexy, right? So, like, they all have some. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a story there. So, so the, the pronunciation, well, the name, uh, for those who, who have not seen this, it's going to be difficult to, to, um, do this phonetically. Um, but his his name is the letter X. Um, the combined letters A and E, as it is used in Danish and Norwegian. The number or the letter A dash twelve. And maybe it's important to to state that it's the letter X space 
AE, which is pronounced I in Danish or Norwegian, space A-12. So how do you pronounce it? Um, so some is that people, the full name? Is that the full name or is there more to this? I guess it's that Musk. Okay, that Musk. So some people call it... So some people call it... Um, and we're talking about a baby, by the way. <laughs> so we're yeah, saying it. The ba- it, it is an actual child. So as far as we know, it's a, it's a boy. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a boy. Okay. So so he, it's from what I from what I could gather, uh, some people are saying the pronunciation is Kyle because the X is <laughs> what? Um, yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not. All right. So this is one theory, just to say. Uh, Karen. It's it's Karen. Okay, Karen. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> So the X is, is is Kai in Greek. Okay, yeah. The AE is pronounced um, I, or like a Y, I sound. And then the, the A12 could be understood as a reference to the 12th letter of the alphabet, uh, which I read is L. I didn't actually go check. <laughs> yes, so, we do research. So what we, what we... What we don't know is how to actually say the child's name, but what we do know is he certainly already needs counseling after a week of living. That that's what <laughs> that's what we know. Like, yeah. why did my parents name me this? That is gonna be that's gonna be an issue, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, I mean, do you inherit do you do you inherit uh, existential baggage? Because there may be some at this point. Uh, oh, is this, what do you think this is? Do you think this is an attempt to be trendy? Because Elon Musk is a weird combination of trendy and awkward, right? Like, um, he, he is kind of nerd cultures, like, you know, I mean, he, he's, he does all the geeky stuff you would hope he would do, but at the same time, uh, he does some things that you would hope he would do, right? Like sell flamethrowers to people. Like it's, it's strange and awesome. He makes spaceships that are amazing. And then, uh, and then he makes crazy statements like, uh, you know, we were talking a little earlier about, you know, the free America thing. And it's like, it kind of makes me wonder if billionaires have self-awareness on some of this stuff, because I totally understand why people want things to be open. Uh, and I understand if you're coming out of a position of need where you're saying, hey, we need things to be open in spite of COVID because I don't have any income. I totally understand that. Uh, what I don't understand is <laughs> if you're a billionaire, you know, that you don't understand that it looks self-serving when you say that uh, because, you know, you can have somebody disinfect in front of you, behind you. You can, uh, you know, make your own Tesla Pope mobile and, and not, and not worry about, you know, being infected. Um, You can have everyone, you know, at your beck and call on things, but most you know, the average person does do not have those luxuries. And so it seems to me like there's, it's weird to me because he seems very, um, very, he's obviously very intelligent. He's obviously, uh, you know, kind of pioneering in his ideas and the things he wants to put out. But it also seems like there's a certain lack of self-awareness, which we're probably all guilty of. Like, I'm not saying this overly, overly trying to be overly critical, but, um, but but people are pointing it out to him, and he still doesn't. So, I mean, I guess it's like the quintessential like lack of self-awareness because people can even tell you, you know, and, and you still don't see it. 
and or don't care. You know, it's like yeah. you're or like I saw his Twitter feed and people were like, oh, you're losing followers by the minute. And he like essentially said, well, get out of here then kind of, you know, like and, and <laughs> it's like he just doesn't care. He's an eccentric billionaire. Right. Like um, but but then it's like who at some point we we love the things that these tech giants can give us and provide for us. But what then is the accountability point that we have for them? And do we think culturally there should be an accountability point, um, you know, on, on these things? Because Elon Musk is in some ways doing things that are bigger than governments right now. Um, and so, you know, if if uh, Cape Canaveral said, hey, you're, you're not going to launch from here anymore, you know, he'd just be like, oh, I'm going to go buy an island and we're going to start launching from that island. And it's in international waters and so whatever, you know, and like, uh, I mean, I'm sure he'd find something, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, so, so I, I just, I wonder kind of what those boundaries are and as it pertains to <laughs> space trash, you know what I mean? Uh, is there anybody looking, looking, looking at that issue in a real way that would prohibit him from doing that or having a monopoly on that? I'm sure Google and some of these other places are, you know, uh, when you look at virtual reality, it's it seems like there's only a couple players, but there's actually a whole bunch of people who are trying to jump into that because they understand potential market values. I would imagine that's the same thing with this, with the satellite market. Absolutely. Right? You know, I think um, Elon, SpaceX, um, and this new project of theirs has the propensity or the potential to deeply disrupt really the core of how we do how we do what we do using technology the fact that they can make connectivity fast affordable and pervasive all around the planet in a in a new fashion that is that is different and pervasive it will will have the possibility of upsetting the way we do things. I mean, I yeah, he's a disruptor, right? I don't think anyone's going to argue he's a disruptor. The yeah. the question is, is if he's a disruptor, um, like it's great when we think that when it's great when we all agree with him. What happens when he does the thing that we don't agree with? Uh, then then the question becomes: Is like, do we think as human beings, and particularly in fields of tech, kind of what are the agreed upon maxims or whatever that we're going to determine that we all need to follow uh at some point because you know it part of what i see in this is like when he says free america i see a bunch of people coming back and go hey we love you but wait a second you know what i mean and and it's like my thing is is regardless of your position on that wouldn't the hope be that he would hear that right and and say okay well i hear that but that's not where i'm at but that was not his response his response was effectively get out of here like that's fine do what you're gonna do i don't care what you think like and actually then i'm a little bit like all right well um you know that was a little bit of tony stark you know what i mean uh but i've watched those movies and not everything ends up perfect uh actually if i accuse the avengers of anything it's uh they probably need to pay more taxes than most people because they destroy a lot of public property uh so so you know what what is the you know if he puts a bunch of space junk in you know or creates space junk which we don't know he's going to who knows maybe his satellites are all going to have nets on them and 
you know, send stuff. We, we don't know. But but what becomes the accountability mechanism when we're trapped on Earth? Uh, and, and it's fascinating to me because yeah. you would think of all people, Elon Musk would be a, paying attention to this. And I, I have to believe he has considered it because part of his whole thing about Occupy Mars is he's worried that we're going to create AI that is going to uh, force us to flee the planet, which I think is a ridiculous argument. I think it's escapism theology, because I think if you can build something that can force you to leave the planet, it can certainly follow you. I, I just don't understand why that is not in his in his, you know, kind of wheelhouse of thinking. But but that being said, um, you know, or eventually figure out how to follow you. So but but all that being said, it, it's like, you know, how, how do we think about this kind of thing? And uh, one, it's incredible we have people like him that are pushing our boundaries enough that we have to think this way. So it's like, you know, I think in that way, it's like we should be grateful that we live in a time where we where we do that. But at the same time, like, do we are we able to put barriers around this? Are we able to put accountability or is this just um, this kind of uh, like Kevin Kelly would say, it's it's a re- a result of the technium doing what it's going to do. And it's really that uh, technology is leading us by uh, we're not really leading technology. Uh, it's leading us. I think that that's an interesting statement. And I know you touched on that in our previous, previous episode, but I think that if you absolve responsibility, technology leads you when you, when you abdicate the, the responsibility that we have as stewards to think and to be masters of what we design and masters and stewards of, of what's been placed in our hands. And I think the challenge with that is, yes, absolutely. I mean, we could, we could look at so many different industries that, that technology has, has created or jump-started. Um, and I think about you know the combustion engine market today as an example. I mean, there's so so many issues within the, the automotive industry, ethical issues in terms of corporations that. I mean, there's this this um, I can't remember the the name. There's a specific uh, name for the scenario, but there are some of these big automotive organizations that you know they build a car, they figure out what it's going to cost for a component within the braking mechanism and they go do the math to understand you know if they if they buy the 20 cent item versus the 30 cent item they're going to save x number of dollars but if they buy the 10 cents cheaper one it's going to kill you know y number of people a year and then they factor that into what compliance and regulation says and they make sure that if that number of deaths is less than the regulation they'll be fine. The moment it goes over, they have to do a recall and there'll be a class action suit. So, so they do the math to understand, you know, when, is it, when, when, does it make, when does it make more sense to save that 10 cents per vehicle and increase the number of deaths in your car because right. you're going to make more profit um, versus, oh, oh my goodness, you know, we're going to tip over uh, compliance and we're going to have a recall and that's going to be expensive. So We'll just go with a more expensive item, um, and so. But and is, that, is, I think is, is the car company in that scenario? Is the car company the one at fault, or is it the government that's at fault? Because surely the government is creating the regulation, 
right? So, so this is, I mean, I, th- I think it's a really interesting thing when we talk about technology to, to consider. It's like, you know, Elon Musk in some ways is just being Elon Musk. He's being an entrepreneur. He's doing what he's doing. You know what I mean? And, and it is the goal of government and governments to regulate him. Like that is, that's the function of government. Like, but let me bring it to Elon because okay. without yeah. him in the picture, it becomes a, a regulation issue, which we can have a conversation about that, but to bring it back to technology driving the conversation yeah, uh-huh. or people driving it. So we think about these cars and we've created these things and they work and they do what they need to do and people are happy and we build them. And then I look uh, ironically at someone like Elon and said, you know, I can build a car and I can cut corners and I can save money and I can drive a profitability and people will still buy this car, but why stop at that? I'm going to go and put things in this car that nobody even thought of asking for. And I'm going to create the, at this point, the safest car on the market. Only one other car in history scored the same in terms of car safety. And I mean, nobody asked for that. Nobody, nobody right, asked right. for you know him to spend ten cents more on a braking mechanism. Right. But he felt an obligation to create a vehicle that is the safest thing on the market. And I, I think you know when I think about what well, he is did is there, that, and I'd be fascinated to know is that that he ethically thought hey, I need to do this to protect people? Or did he think from a business perspective, uh, if I create something safer, that's a value proposition that's higher that people will pay that extra 10 cents or whatever for. Uh, and that'll actually make me, because I remember like when the Saturns came out, uh, you know, that no longer exists, uh, the original Saturns, not like the second or third editions, the original Saturns, part of their value proposition was the fact that uh, they were essentially, they had roll, they were, it was almost like a roll cage inside. They were built like piping and it looked like a little race car. Right. And so it was, it, they, the thing wow. was, it's like, yeah, it's got plastic exterior, but this roll cage is actually, uh, more protective and whatever. And that was, that was one of their selling points. They really pushed on. Right. And so, uh, so it's interesting, like to me, it's, there's things that it's like, it's in our best interest, uh, that, mm-hmm. that we should encourage. And I think there's those functions, you know what I mean? Uh, of it, but it's like, certainly he has already said, like, if we go to Mars, people are going to die. Uh, he, I mean, he's been very, you know, and if you listen to like Joe Rogan's podcast with him on it, right. He, he actually, I mean, he's very, I think, transparent about government regulation in that conversation i mean he he talks about like yeah it's about 10 year a 10 year process at least before government starts regulating things so he knows he's got a head start and and maybe he's like saying hey let's get as much in there and impact that situation i just wonder when you're doing stuff to that scale um you know at some point I wonder how quickly people will turn against him, right? And and I and I joke about the yeah. Marvel movies, but that happens to Tony Stark, right? Like that that happens in that scenario where it's like, oh, you pushed it too far. And I actually think there's there's some kind of like societal ebb and flow that's good that that helps to do that. But then we start looking at it from a technology standpoint, and we go to how much how much are these things shaping us? And as we and to your point, if if we if we are having a conversation about it, then we may be shaping them. But if we're not having a conversation about it, they may be shaping us. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld has a new uh, series out on Netflix, and he talks about, uh, you know, is are we really the ones using our cell phones or are our cell phones using us? 
when when we uh, when we when we call an Uber, like uh, you know, it it told us how much we were going to pay, and it told us who we were going to ride with. You know what I mean? Uh, and the way we were going to get wherever. So is yeah. are we just the mechanism for the cell phone to get around? Right? Like, you, and he's joking, but the thing is, is at some point you start to go, well, wait a second, how much of this technology is driving us in a way where? Um, where we need to be conscious about it, and about it, and I think you know we've talked a lot about this, but I think as we have conversations about other tech issues, this is kind of one of those foundational things that starts to define, like, okay, what is virtuous tech? Uh, what are the what are the principles behind what we would, you know, if we identify as somebody uh, enabling virtuous technology and creating a virtuous culture? Uh, as a government, and what are the principles that underline those things? Because if we said, "Well, uh, Elon, like, hey, that's a snazzy name for your kid. Uh, wh- why did you name your child that way?" He's going to give you a rationale. So my question is: is across the board, what are the what are the value propositions that he's going to articulate, and what, as a society, do we think those value propositions should be, and why? Right. And so uh, and, and I think that begins to and while we've taken a lot of time to talk about that, I think it, it starts to underline a deeper issue because then you can look at a product. And if we can identify some of those things, we can say, yeah, this product's helpful or it's not helpful. And here are the thing. Here's why it's not helpful. And so those are the things we need to work on. But until we look at that from an iterative standpoint, I don't know you know, or until we have those foundational principles, I don't know how we can look at those from an iterative standpoint because we're just trying to figure out what it is, right? So so part of back to the original thing is, if as Christians, we believe we're called to be caretakers of the cosmos, then what responsibility do we have to actually talk about space junk? Uh, and when Elon Musk goes to put these things up, does, does should anybody be like waving a flag going, hey, wait, 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 hold on. Like we hear what you're saying, but... Uh, and and should public outrage actually help to steer those conversations? Because maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. Right now, I don't know what there is to be outraged about. He is he's definitely put a positive spin on it. Like, hey, I'm going to provide internet to a bunch of the world. Uh, I've seen that in the press, but I've not heard about the space junk in the press uh, in the same capacity. And nobody has said, hey, we're going to put forty thousand new, you know, or whatever the number was uh, uh, up in space. And by the way, uh, that's more than the big space junk that we have right now. Uh, yeah. potentially creates an exponential on the little space junk. So I, I don't know how we get to those value propositions or how, what underlines those for people, but uh, I would say as Christians, we probably have something to say about that. I agree with you. I think that, I think we, maybe a blanket statement isn't a good idea, but I think we as 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 Christians can do a better job at being advocates of, of the earth, being advocates of our environment uh, might even be a better way to say it. I think the challenge is there, there's probably a couple of challenges, but one of them is the fact that nobody really thinks about space. Um, I mean, you get in your car and you type into your GPS where you want to go, but you don't, you don't actually think that your GPS is busy engaging with the satellite in space to triangulate where you are. The satellite doesn't do that, your phone does that. But without the satellites, you, you know, you're not gonna get, up, get to where you wanna go on time. And I don't think we realize just how much of what we do every day is, is channeled through, um, 
mechanisms and infrastructure outside of this planet. And furthermore, if you're not even aware of the issues, then um, you know you're not going to be you're not going to be in a position to to have a conversation about that. And then I'll take it a step even further. You know, when I look at my neighborhood and it doesn't look good, at least I know I can do something about that. But but neither you nor I can stop polluting in space. Um, we're not that rich. <laughs> yeah, but but collectively collectively potentially we can right because it's like you and i probably can't clean the whole ocean ourselves but we can def demand reform in our countries and we can start initiatives that are global initiatives right like some of these companies have done and quite frankly i think there's value proposition in that i, I don't think all these people are out uh trying to clean the oceans are all doing it just because you know uh it's the best thing to do they're looking at how can they how can they make a buck off of this, right? Like if someone's got a, uh, look, if you can go to Nicaragua and clean their lakes up so they're usable again uh, and they don't, you know, have the bacteria and the contamination that they have, uh, you have, you know, uh, enabled a country to have resources that it couldn't imagine that it might ever have again. And that's that's becomes transformative for their economy and what they're able to do. Like if I can swim in major lakes in, in Nicaragua, all of a sudden uh, I can buy property there. Uh, tourism goes up. Industry goes up, uh, you know, and all of a sudden it becomes, you know, if if Florida, for example, loses all of our coastal ability, uh, you know, if I mean, just think about how the seaweed transformed uh, tourism not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and it's like so. So if we think about those things, we, we have that ability to do that. I just think the other thing that all those points I would agree with, we've got to think about. And I would also add, I don't think that people have kind of a, a worldview or I would put it in Christian terms, a theology of technology and and what our expectations should be with regard to these things i think i mean when you even talk about space it's relatively new in the in the course of human history that we're even in it right and so so the the reality is is this stuff is all really pretty new uh, a lot of these technologies are are you know only elite organizations are dealing with it. The government is probably dealing with some of this stuff because they're worried about security and defense and all those things. And so, so some of it's probably kept quiet because they don't want to, you know, uh, you know, give up information that might protect us. But on the flip side of it, um, if you have something more of a theology of technology, then we're able to maybe start to look at stuff again. And it doesn't necessarily matter what it is, but it's, uh, we start to say, well, um, realistically, um, you know, when I look at something, uh, do I identify it as technology, right? So like we were having a conversation earlier, like is my, you know, home kind of uh, assistant technology? Most people would say, yes, is my broom technology? Like most people would probably stop on that because now they're so used to having a broom, right? Uh, is is our silverware technology is our, you know, the, the glasses we drink, are they technology, right? We start to think we, we have categorized kind of, um, you know, based on our own preferences, what is technology and what isn't. And I don't think we've had kind of a comprehensive understanding of that. And, and I think at some point, then we start to talk about technology as being what we've talked about as being creation or, uh, things that we have co-created. Um, and, and then, if we start to understand those things, what are our responsibility to 
you know, take care of things. And so, so, and there, and there also can be a point at which we take care of things to the point where it becomes idolatrous too. Right. So it's like, um, you know, if, uh, all you do is brush your teeth all day, um, you know, you could, you know, you might have some kind of weird dental worship going on and, and that's while you may have clean teeth, uh, eventually it could create problems for you. Right. And so like, uh, in your life in other ways. And so part of it is how do we think through those things in ways that help us to say, okay, well, uh, what is reasonable and what is helpful? How do we not stop um, entrepreneurs from being entrepreneurial? We want them to be. We want the best of what Elon Musk can give us. Uh, but how is it okay for Elon Musk? Uh, in what ways is it okay for Elon Musk to be frustrated that he doesn't always get what he wants? Uh, and that is part of, I think, if I understand it correctly, what the American experiment was about uh, is that the goal was is that we're not supposed to get whatever we want. And boy, has that played out in modern politics. So <laughs> and now we don't get anything we want. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> I'm joking. I, I wasn't sold on that. I, that's that's one of the reasons why I came here. Just yeah, 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 yeah. All right, say it, say it. Me, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, but I, I think there's all these kind of bigger issues for us to kind of think about, and I don't think we're gonna solve them obviously in this episode of the podcast. But, but part of it, what I would be interested as we start to get people who are listening to this more and more is to start to say, okay, well, what do you think those things are? You know, what are those defining? What are those defining principles and why do we hold those and why are those acceptable culturally? And like I said, I think like the Judeo-Christian tradition has things to speak into those. And a lot of those things have impacted kind of cultures in a positive way. Uh, but I would I would not necessarily limit it to those traditions either. There's uh, things within the contextual experience of human existence that uh, that can certainly add to uh, our understanding not just of those traditions, but of life in general and and what's in our best interest. And so how do we put our heads around that and start to to have deeper conversations? Um, and, you know, is it, you know, maybe the place for that is a podcast. Maybe it's the academy. Maybe it's uh, the public square. Uh, but realistically, uh, as we talk to people like Elon Musk, how do we engage entrepreneurs in a way where those things are all questions that are being raised as they're developing uh, so that we're not backtracking to do work, but we're being comprehensive in it. The good thing is, is like you're pointing out with Tesla, uh, Musk seems to have some of that built into him. Uh, I don't know what reason that is. I don't know what his rationale is behind it, but but there seems to be a certain level of quality to what he's doing, and that's great. Um, you know, the question is, is how do we help you know, is there, you know, are there kind of some basic principles that we can all get behind? And maybe he has them. Maybe he's got them and we don't know. And maybe we need them and they'll help us to think about things. I, you know, I'm not saying who has them or who doesn't, but, um, yeah. you know, maybe that's something we need to think about together. I don't, I don't know the answer, but what I do know is I do not want to get trapped by our garbage. Uh, I, I know that. Uh, and I don't want our space garbage falling on fire on my house. Uh, I don't want that to happen. Uh, so. <laughs> You know, uh, there's some basic things we know that we don't want. Uh, and I think Elon Musk still wants to get to Mars. So I think that's a goal, a life goal. So maybe he needs to think about uh, think about some space trash a little bit more. I, I think just on, on Elon, you know, you raised the question about 
is, did he did he invest time, energy, money into into building the safest car on the road for um, positioning purposes or or altruistic reasons? I don't know. I think the good news, uh, as it relates, uh, at least Christopher, to help you get through your nights for the next week until next week's episode, is. Um, Unlike the ocean, I think people can pollute and destroy the ocean and they can get away with it because it doesn't affect their profitability from a capitalistic perspective. I think when we think about space and we think about someone like, like Elon who really has a desire to, to uh, capitalize, not just financially, but capitalize on all the beauty that space has to offer, I think he realizes that if, if he doesn't steward or take up the responsibility to steward or get someone else to steward space, uh, his dreams and aspirations and potential profits will be, will be torn to pieces by space garbage. So I think that the good news, at least in this instance, is if he wants to or not, he's going to have to find a solution to that because there's no way he's going to launch roughly the same number of satellites we have now again in the next, I mean, there's like 2,400 satellites in space right now, and he wants to launch more than that himself. There's no way he's going to be able to do that if he doesn't address this issue, um, let alone go to Mars. So, altruistic or not, I think at least um, he's incentivized. Uh, he's incentivized, and I and I think he thinks, you know, in, unless yeah. he's on his deathbed, and then it may just be launch them all. I don't care. I'm out. <laughs> Everybody's so, going down with me. I mean, that, yeah, that's what you got to watch for. You know, it's like they're like, oh, it's like, yeah, well, that was great, but now I'm done. So, uh, you know, <laughs> good luck with things, yeah. folks. Oh, I'm getting buried on Earth. That means all of you suckers are as well. That, that's yeah, that's right. So, you know, that well, that's a super happy note. Uh, it seems like we keep leaving on these two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear that's how we get the listeners back every week. It, it is. It's like uh, the despair of coming back to go, oh, no, is Elon going to name another child something crazy? How, how are we going to deal with that? Uh, so uh, but but I, I yeah, I, I do think if we look at these things, part of it is figuring out kind of what those principles are. And, and I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're first principles, but they may may be a combination of first principles and developing principles that 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 we have to look at and evaluate. And I, and I think um, there are, while there are ethical advisory boards and things like that uh, that are out there, I do not see those things as being hyper pervasive in tech culture at this point. Uh, I, I, you know, I think, and, and that be maybe because there's so many entrepreneurial things happening and, and the exponential increase in technological development is happening so quickly uh, that we just haven't caught up. Maybe we're in still that 10 year gap that Elon's talking about, but I also think it becomes harder and harder to regulate at some point. And so if we do not figure out ways to, uh, that societally, you know, some, some human values that we begin kind of a self-regulatory process where we actually say, you know what, it'd be great if that trash wasn't in my front yard. So I'm going to go clean it up. It'd be great. That trash wasn't in my neighborhood. So we're going to go figure it out. You know, I really would like to, be able to swim in the ocean and I'd like my kids to be able to swim in the ocean. Uh, and someday I'd like to be able to, uh, you know, you know, jump on that Virgin, uh, spacecraft and, and, you know, take a little tour around and see what things look like and, and see Mr. Musk's, uh, satellite space station and 
portal to Mars or whatever he comes up with. I think if we don't if we don't start to figure out what those things are and how to motor, motivate ourselves better on those issues, um, I, I think we could find ourselves in a pretty dystopian situation pretty quickly. Uh, and, and humanity has dealt with those things uh, in the past where we've had technological development and it's had terrible consequences on people's, uh, you know, you have coal stained buildings and, um, you know, uh, people's, you know, life expectancy is jeopardized in many ways and things like that. And so uh, to figure out what those value propositions are and, and, you know, it, to what level do we value uh, human life, which I think is, sounds almost like, well, of course we value human life, but when you give the car example, uh, it's not so cut and dry, you know, and we're dealing with those things in, in a COVID-19 world right now, uh, where people are saying open or close, or what's the percentage, like people want to know the numbers, uh, which tells me um, people are willing to sacrifice at least other people to get what they want. Uh, and is that the ideal situation that we want for technology and for humanity. And I think those are all big questions that we're not going to solve quickly. Uh, but, but I think we're starting to see some interesting trends, right? We're, we're seeing like the government is saying, well, open. And if people don't have to, and I totally understand there's people that, you know, they're in economic situations, uh, uh, which I would actually say, look, I, I'm, I'm generally would talk about limited government. Uh, but I would actually say the function of government is protection of people in times of crisis. So if we were going to actually provide for people uh, in a large way, this is part of why I pay taxes. Uh, it's part of why I bought into the system, even though I was born into it and continue to buy into it is because I think we should help people. But, yeah. but you know, are, at some point, are we, what are we going to say that our valuation is on life. And I think people are starting to speak that to say, you know what, um, you know, I, I value my family and myself and friends around me in a way where just because something's open doesn't mean I'm going to go and out there. Uh, and, and that is not something that they're being forced into. Uh, that's something where they're being given the freedom to make that decision one way or the other. Uh, but the decision you know, all facts kind of on the table that, you know, as well as we, or, and I wouldn't even say they're being presented well at this point, but, uh, but from what the data is that we have, people are making decisions either to say, Hey, I don't have enough data, or I'm not convinced by this data, or I am convinced by the data and I'm going to go do what I want to do. Um, but I think we're starting to see more and more consensus on that. So, so it'll be interesting to see as we continue to have these conversations, what, what those implications are technologically. Uh, and, and how do we, how do we do, do people start to say, you know what, uh, it's not okay. My phone is exploding. Uh, so we need to, we need to work on that one. Uh, you know, like, is there, is social outcry okay and necessary in some places, uh, for these things? Um, I think those are all larger issues for us to kind of get into down the road and we will with more, more particulars as we kind of deal with technic technological issues. But, um, but I, but I do find it fascinating that Musk is pushing us into those conversations and allowing us, uh, to have them. And I, I do, I do find that we're fortunate where we're, we're talking about new technology being made and we're not just, uh, we, we don't feel like we can change our reality, but we have that opportunity.
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. So, so as we try to unpack that stuff, um, we will, uh, we will hope to unpack more of it and get into more technological issues, uh, in coming episodes. Uh, but, but it's been good talking, Duncan. And, uh, and, uh, at this point, I think we're gonna, we're gonna sign off and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks for being here, folks. Thank you.